Janice Dernovzek once said, it is possible there will be much less support for NATO because there is a lot of identification of the United States with NATO. Keep this in mind as we discuss today the recent NATO summit in Spain and what does it mean for the future global security. My name is Dr. David Waralu. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. Amidst the ongoing war in Ukraine, the geopolitics of Europe is undergoing a major change. If they decide to apply, the financing will be warmly welcome. Summer, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization could add two more Nordic countries into the group, Finland and Sweden. So it's official. Finland will apply for NATO membership. Well, NATO just concluded another major meeting, and they seem to set a new direction. Indeed, Ross, that was the final communique that came out, out of the summit, uh, in basically uh, in which NATO uh, saying that now they have a new strategic concept for that's going to have to match their 2030 vision. Except that now it's aimed at two main enemies, Russia and, and China. China. Well, what we see is that Turkey has made a deal, and now they're going to stop inhibiting the inclusion of Sweden and Finland. Boy, does this change the dynamics of things. Yeah, because Turkey was objecting to this, and, and I know when I get to the whiteboard, I'm going to explain why that is. Okay. Uh, I am not surprised at the decision for why all of a sudden NATO is extending an invitation to Finland and Sweden. I argued this couple of years ago and how Russia might react to it. So you were paying attention to the trends and being able to accurately predict what came. Exactly, Ross. That... And you know what? You did it in your book. Indeed. Let me read from David's book. The geopolitical landscape today differs much from that of the past. Russia today thinks in terms of security, mm -hmm. economics, and of course, a sphere of influence in its near abroad region. For instance, Moscow issued a warning in July 24, 2018, that Russia will take responsive measures if Finland and Sweden join NATO. Well, what do you know? Exactly. And you that, did it four yeah. years ago. Exactly. Well, that was the idea of understanding the trends. That's why I always uh, share with our viewers, you have to see where the trends are headed. And this is something we're going to be offering in our course uh, regarding uh, when we teach our members the techniques that they need to acquire for them to understand where things are headed. Understand, predict, and act on the information you now have. Exactly. So, so this is where this, uh, uh, we see uh, the trend is going. It becomes now the question, is NATO going to become a force for stability or is going to become an element of global insecurity? I sure get that one. Yeah. All right, let's talk about NATO and break it down for you so you'll have a better understanding of what it's all about. NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And just a brief history, started in 1949, of course, after World War II. It was by 12 uh, founding uh, members at the time. There were only six at the time, if I'm not mistaken. In any event, the United States was one of the major, as a matter of fact, the United States is still the major backer of NATO. 
Most Americans do not know that the budget of NATO is supported by about 70% to 75% by U.S. taxpayers' money. Yes, we are paying for NATO. It's like, go figure. So, but here's the thing. So, so to understand, uh, uh, and of course, the whole purpose of the establishment of NATO was what? To prevent the spread of the Soviet Union ideology. So, in nature, NATO was supposed to be a defensive alliance. And we can talk, uh, we use the term alliance when there is a military agreement. This is why, for example, uh, uh, blocks like BRICS, uh, you can't call them an alliance because there is no military engagement in that. So, so NATO, of course, is uh, supposed to be as a defensive. Uh, turns out not to be. <laughs> and the problem with that is because NATO started to expand. As a matter of fact, after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, NATO expanded eastward massively. So to the point that NATO, when I was a kid, I remember NATO used to only be 12 members, then it moved up to 19, then 21, and now it's about 30. So you have uh, countries like, uh, 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 I think Croatia is part of it, uh, Greece, uh, you know, some countries that I don't know what they can contribute to NATO, but, but anyway, that's their issue. So. But that's not what I'm going to focus on on this. I am going to focus on the recent report uh, during the summit that took place in Spain recently and what it means when NATO states that now they're going to have a new strategic concept and their strategic concept is supposed to go with their 2030 vision. Basically, in this concept, what they're saying is the two main enemies are Russia and China. So we all can see where this is going. The question becomes for you is, is NATO a force for peace or is it a force for insecurity? Because what many in the West do not understand and some politicians do not want to admit that it was NATO's expansion eastward that triggers Russia's reaction. What makes now the matter even more complicated is that Finland and Sweden have been invited to join now the alliance. Which means what? That if Finland and NATO, which by the way, Russia share the border with Finland and Russia does not have a border with Sweden. Just with the admission of Finland and Sweden into the alliance, you're looking at an additional 800 miles of border across Russia. Is this going to trigger? Because as I argued in my book way back a couple years ago, and I said Russia will react if ever Finland and Sweden join the alliance. Now, Russia's statement is going to be now uh, put into test to find out whether they're going to react or not. Because if they don't, that means they lost credibility. Yeah. So how did Finland and Sweden end up there? After Turkey lift its ban on allowing Finland and Sweden to be admitted. Okay? What Turkey does not understand is that Finland and Sweden, is, they are not going to turn over. There is an opposition leader of Turkish descent who, lived in Sweden, who lives in Sweden, I believe, by the name of Fatullah Gulen. And Turkey wants him extradited 
to Turkey along with 10 other members to face charges for the failed coup in Turkey in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Sweden and Finland, I don't think so they're going to do that because those guys end up in Sweden to uh, flee prosecution. So they are under some sort of a human rights, whatever that might be. The deal that Turkey got for allowing this uh, Finland and Sweden to join is that the United States now is going to sell the update version of the F-16s. And that will tell you now where things are headed. You know. What was interesting about the NATO summit in Spain? What was interesting about it? You know what was interesting? Is that NATO invited some countries. For example, uh, I think uh, Japan was invited. Uh, New Zealand was invited. Australia was invited. So the question becomes, what do these countries have to do with NATO? If you look at geography, and that's one of the key aspects to understand about where the trends are headed. It's very, very important. And this is why I am saying, and this is my personal opinion, is NATO a force for stability or it is a force of insecurity, both in Europe and, and the globe? So those are just some basic questions to ask uh, if I am to put my geopolitical analyst hat. And I, I am concerned as to how much now NATO is pushing uh, the narrative against Russia, and if Russia is cornered, you know, are we looking at a World War III? There will be no winner. We all know this. That will be the end, basically. If we are underestimating what the Russians have, yes, NATO has also some capabilities. The U.S. has some capabilities. But can you just imagine where that's going to lead to? And this is the big concern. Uh, you know, I wake up every morning thinking about do politicians or those in charge truly think about the welfare of the average citizens? Because that is the question we need to ask. You know, demonstrating the capabilities and uh, technology and so yeah, it's all good and all that. What is at the heart of the matter? And what's at the heart of the matter is the survival, our survival. Because if there is a nuclear exchange, Nobody's going to survive that. Yes, life is going to go on. We don't even know how it's going to be. I can't even contemplate the scenarios, knowing what I know, as far as what at least the type of weapons that Russians have, let alone a 6,000 nuclear warhead. It doesn't take 6,000. All it takes is two or three, and it will be over. So, and this is why... We wanted to address this topic today. It's just to provide you an insight into what lies ahead and how the narrative is structured because what Western media or the media in general usually play with words. And this is something also we're going to be teaching in our class that we're going to be offering soon. You know, as you so clearly stated on the whiteboard, the United States is financially and morally supporting this action of NATO. Mm -hmm. And... What that means is that a lot of money, that is resources the United States could be using to take care of the American people, are now going to military buildup, not only in Europe, but in, possibly in Asia as well. So the real question is, how does this NATO buildup in any way support you, your family, 
And that is the question that many Americans need to be asking themselves. Exactly. We look forward to seeing you in the next video. As always, stay informed. Till next time. Bye-bye.